joining me on hashtag talk to me the podcast today is uh electro japanese uh, welcome. For the people that don't know you, so obviously uh, anybody who's, uh, who's who's on legal LinkedIn may well have seen the law boutique in and around the market. But for people that aren't familiar, if you would be so kind as to give us a quick intro to, to you and also to the law boutique, that would be a good place to start, I think. Sure. So um, I'm Electra. I'm the founder and CEO of the law boutique. I started it up in 2017, having spent 10 years in-house in various large organizations and um, everywhere I'd worked, I'd felt quite frustrated about the way that in-house legal, the way that in-house legal worked with other parts of the business. I felt like, you know, you had a group of really competent, uh, energetic people in the legal teams, but the way that they worked sort of prohibited them from reaching their full potential and adding all the value that they could. And having, you know, I was speaking with all these different lawyers and they all shared the same frustrations like you know we should be doing more than reviewing NDAs or we can add much more value than just supporting in the negotiations we should be brought in at the beginning of any kind of process like that so I decided to start up a business that would facilitate in-house legal and support them in working more effectively so that they can add more value in a business because it's a win-win the business gets more and the lawyers feel happier um, so it's uh, it's a win-win situation. So I started it in 2017, and over the last three years, we've grown. We now have um, 12 people in our team, soon to be 16, because we're hiring. So by the end of this quarter, there'll be 16 of us. And we're also building some technology. It will be a platform called Bolt. And uh, Bolt is due to be released in April. And the whole premise of that is that it will... Uh, automate a lot of the stuff that legal does and also give the GCs and in-house lawyers the data that they need to demonstrate their ROI and make good decisions based on facts. Amazing. Um, yeah. So you, you've been an in-house lawyer yourself. Uh, where have you worked? So I started off my career at the European Space Agency in Holland. So I qualified in, uh, in Cyprus as a barrister and then I decided that because I was born and raised there, uh, my mum's British, hence the accent. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised in Cyprus. And then I decided quite early on that it wasn't, for me, it was too small and I wanted to do something else. So I came to the UK. I did a master's in international business law. And during my master's, I applied for the European Space Agency and I got a job. So that was awesome. The best start to any career, I would sorry say. To re- sorry to interrupt you, but you were, so you were a space lawyer at one point. At some point, yeah. <laughs> I was more of a contract lawyer uh, for space, but yeah, let's, space law is much cooler. Um, so yeah, so I worked there for, for a couple of years. I worked in the Netherlands, then I moved to Germany. Um, and I was always, I, I always knew I didn't want to be in private practice. I wanted to be in-house. I wanted to be adding value. I'm quite commercial. Um, very, I like business probably more than I like law, if I'm honest. Uh, so I always wanted to be within a business. And uh, yeah, so I worked at the European Space Agency. Then I spent about four years in the space industry. I worked for Airbus for a bit. And then I went on to work for British American Tobacco. And I worked on an IT project. Then I went to Disney for a bit. Uh, Then I went to EY. So I've always worked in huge companies. And that's that's when you think, wow, even if if in these huge, amazing organizations, you can't get what you want out of your legal role and the business isn't really feeling the value that you're adding. There's a problem. 
right? So, and that's why I wanted to fix it. Okay. So this, you had this frustration, which kind of built with the, I guess, is it inefficiency, which was, yeah. was causing you this sort of feeling of not quite fulfilling your own potential that, that got you there? It's inefficiency. It's a, a lack of understanding from several parts of the business of what you do as a lawyer and why you're there. Um, it's a mindset that some lawyers have that I didn't necessarily share, which is that we're here just to prevent risk, whereas actually you're here to help the business grow. Without a business, there isn't any risk to curb, if that makes sense. So it's trying to get other people into that mindset and uh, working in ways that the business wants you to work so that they want to liaise with you and bring you into the picture earlier. So for example, if you hit someone with a 150 page contract for a really simple deal, no one's gonna love you. That's not gonna make you popular. Also, it's completely unnecessary because the risk that's there does not warrant that level of complexity for your agreement. If you were to simplify that agreement, make it really user-friendly, um, that, that takes something that's called design thinking, basically being empathetic and putting yourself in the user's shoes. So if you take that approach much more to the way that you operate as a lawyer, that will make you much more popular, firstly. Secondly, you're going to do your job better because you're not spending ages negotiating unnecessarily complex contracts. And people are going to understand what you've said, so they want to engage with you more. And when you build that personal brand internally of being a user-friendly lawyer, people are going to bring you into their discussions earlier so that you can add more value. So is this, is this trying to avoid those situations where commercial teams go off and do their do their thing and kind of keep things hidden from legal because they, they perceive them to be the, the enemy or the, yes. you know, they're putting the brakes on things. Definitely. And that's okay. what lawyers, that, you know, oh, lawyers, bottlenecks, fun police, slow. Um, oh, don't say that in front of the legal team. You get that a lot when you're in a meeting. Don't say that in front of the lawyer. And you think, just say it because I'm going to find out anyway at some point when you bring me in to fix it. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just rethinking the way that you operate as a lawyer so that you can add that value to the business. Um, and a lot of the work we do now is helping in-house legal build out their function. And because we spent so long doing that kind of manually and trying to find technology to automate some of the repetitive stuff that they did to alleviate their, their workload, that's why we decided to build Bolt because we couldn't really find any piece of tech that did all the things we needed. We never really wanted to be a tech company, but we felt like we were kind of forced to because we know the gaps and we're now going to build the thing that's going to fill those gaps. So initially, were you, were you coming in on a sort of a consultancy basis talking about how to structure legal teams, how to train them, or uh, so what kind of things do you initially sort of start off doing to address this issue? So we started off by taking on all the contracts that these busy in-house legal teams had. So that was the first work that I started doing by myself. So I'd be, uh, I'd be brought in by a, a GC that said, Do you know what, too many contracts to review, please take on some of the workload. So I started there. And then I, I, I started to see the same problems uh, that I saw when I was in my own in-house roles. So I was like, why do you accept 
uh, contracts for review via email. It's impossible to collect any data that way. They get lost. It's really difficult to triage what's important, what's not. Let's build a really simple form on Google Forms so that everyone in the business can submit this stuff to you. And then at the end of the month, you can look at your Excel spread, your G sheet that backs the, the Google form so that you can see what's come in, which teams are submitting them, what values you're looking at. And then as you go along, you can iterate on that form, make it better, richer data set, and then you can start reporting on it and making decisions around what you need to build out your function. So I started off doing that coupled with contract review. And people really liked that bit more than the contract review because Quite frankly, most lawyers can pick up at contracts and review them. So um, we, we, were doing, we were doing that and then the team grew and then we started doing the consultancy piece where we would go into a team and say, um, let's, let's do a discovery to understand how you're operating. Then we'll, we'll, um, we'll see where the gaps lie and then we'll fix them for you by looking at what technology you have in-house already. So if you're using Jira or Google Sheets or Airtable, we can build you something that will help you streamline the way that you operate. So we're doing that, plus we're continuing to pick up the heavy lifting contract work. So um, on, on, the, on, on the automation of processes and ways of working, a lot of it was also to do with governance and strategy and, you know, as we started off by doing the, the pieces of work that alleviated the workload, but as we got more and more into it, we saw that there were, the problems are, are more deep-rooted. And a lot of it is to do with mindset, the way that lawyers think about their role and um, a certain fear of being vulnerable and saying, I don't know the answer to this, or there's a problem here, I can fix it, but it won't be perfect, so I'm just not going to do it. So that's problematic, right? Because you're trained as a lawyer to think in a certain way. And that way is get it 100% right from the beginning, otherwise you'll get sued. So that fear stops you from innovating. So we saw that quite a lot. And um, yeah, so we, sorry, I'm rambling, I feel, but we were- No, no, this is, it's, it's, re it's really interesting to, to get inside the mindset of, of how you've kind of gone through this journey from just, taking the contract reviews to actually the big wins here are just making these incremental and sorry to like tell you back what you've already told yeah. me but you're making these what I hear you saying is these incremental changes to ways of working which if you you know sort of extrapolate them over over time you're saving huge amounts of time and effort now I'm interested to ask you some of the things you're talking about just streamlining processes using existing technology that they've already got to 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 stop wasted time and wasted effort on a lot of these things. Why is it that people aren't able to do this for themselves? Are they too, are they just too busy and too stressed and too worried about other things to spend time on this? Well, lawyers study law. They don't study how to set up a really effective legal function that's underpinned by technology and that's producing amazingly rich data sets. That's not what they study. That's not what they're trained for. That's not what they're rewarded for mm. as they go along in their careers. Right. So how would they know? They're not, they're, they should, they shouldn't, they shouldn't know because we're not trained to know. So there's a more fundamental question there. Should we not be trained slightly differently? The answer, of course, in my opinion is yes, but we're not. Do you so, think that you would have had a different perspective if you had come through a, um, a private practice career rather than having started in, uh, in, the, in the European Space Agency? Yeah, definitely. I think the reason I think slightly differently is because I didn't go through the traditional route. I was always... So when I worked at the European Space Agency, I was dealing with literal rocket scientists 
they didn't care about the contracts. I needed to make them care. And I needed to think about what they wanted from me. So I had a very client-centric approach from the beginning. Otherwise, I would not have been effective in my role. And so I had to take a slightly different approach. Whereas when you're in private practice, you are the star of the show. You are the product of that business, right? So you have you, you almost have the luxury to, um, and I'm, I'm not saying that private practice is an easy job. It's probably one of the hardest jobs that exist out there. But you have the luxury of saying, I'm just going to bill you for whatever time I spend on this matter. And then that's the end of it. You'll pay me my fees. But when you're in an in-house function, you don't have that luxury. You have certain amount of time in order to do a certain amount of things, um, usually exceeding your capacity. And you need to find a way to do that. And at the same time, you've got this other priority, which is don't do any work without signing a contract. Don't not negotiate things that you need to negotiate. So you know, if you want to be effective in your role, you need to find ways around it. And because I worked in a very techie environment, I learned lots from other teams as well. So I, 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 when I first joined a company and my laptop wasn't working and they said, raise a ticket with IT, I was like, why don't people raise tickets with legal? Isn't it the same thing? We are a supporting function at the end of the day. Mm. Why don't people raise tickets with us? So when, when we started working with in-house um, teams, that's one of the first things that we implemented. So we did the Google form thing. It worked for a while. It was quite good. And then um, we came across all these organizations that were all using JIRA. So we just built JIRA. We built them a legal help desk on JIRA and we got teams to start using JIRA. The reason we, we're building Bolt is because as these teams grow, JIRA is not quite fit for purpose and you need to knit it to other pieces of tech. So that's why, that's why we're building it, if that makes sense. It's being built yes. because we need to fix this problem. And why, why do you think it's important to have uh, sort of specifically design tech rather than just relying on sort of general platforms like uh, Airtable, Jira, all of these other things that, why, do, why, do you need, why does it need to be specific? I think the reason it needs to be specific is because you will end up Frankensteining a system, which is fine, right? Because if you look at lots of startups, they have a tech stack, which is made up of various pieces of various solutions that are knitted together with a nice, neat front end. Legal teams don't usually have the budget to build a neat front end. So what you're, what you're getting people to do is use all your systems, which is quite difficult. It's difficult to get them to use even one system, let alone six or seven. And also you get fragmented data it's really powerful to have all the data in one place. So you've got the data of who submitted your contract to you, um, what, how long it took you, where it was stuck in the process, why it took this long. And then from there, after the contract's been submitted, okay, what does this contract relate to? What project? Do we have any history on it? And then, okay, there are actions associated with this. Can we manage those in the same system? So, yeah. Effectively, do you think that end-to-end -end thing doesn't exist? Yes. Do you, do you think that just having just having a tech solution, but without it being so fully effective, just means that people won't use it properly, and they and it is kind of makes it redundant having it in the first place? It not only makes it redundant; it just gives you another job. You're not only busy now; you've got to implement technology, roll it out, and make sure everyone's using it properly. So, yeah, I think I think that 
technology for the sake of technology is a bad idea. You need strategy before you implement any tech that's going to be effective. Um, but at the end of the day, technology is is paramount. If you if you're an HR person and you go into a company nowadays, you go in. The first thing you do is you buy a piece of tech, and there are certain pieces of tech that you buy. So if you're in a tech startup, which is our area, you'll buy Charlie HR, Bamboo HR. Um, do you know what I mean? There are certain tools that people use. There's no such thing for legal yet. There's contract management tools. There's um, due diligence tools, but there isn't a system. Yes. That makes sense. Do you feel like law is one of the sort of the last frontiers, the last areas that just hasn't been mined for all of the possible innovations that can be made in it? I think that. Definitely. A hundred percent. Law is behind for sure. And, and the reason is lawyers' personalities, which is why I keep banging on about mindset. It's not their personalities as such. It's the way that they have been trained to think, I think, stops them from, stops our industry from innovating. Plus, we're all so busy all the time. Yeah. What, hap what happens to a business when, in your opinion, their, their legal team is functioning in the right way? They're not... Their, their attitude to risk and their attitude to time spent doing certain things is, is, is in a way that, that tallies with, with what you think it should be. What, what happens to a business when they're doing that? What changes? What would you notice as a, a startup founder or a, a business owner? Well, I think that it's a huge commercial advantage to have a lean and effective legal team, firstly, because if you think about it, your deals will get signed much quicker because you're effective and you're lean. If you're quicker to sign your deals, you're doing business faster. So it's a commercial advantage and it's, it's, it's black and white. Um, the other thing is that you can, you can really gauge your risks properly and make good decisions on, on what you're doing because your legal team is focusing on the stuff that they should be doing. So another thing that we always say, if you want to optimize your legal function, which is effectively what we're all about, it's not just about technology and process, it's also about doing the right things and spending your really precious time on things that matter. So we don't think that legal teams should be reviewing hundreds of low value contracts. That stuff needs to be outsourced. Why are you bothering? It's, it's like saying, if you're a recruitment company, do you always need to have your own IT team or can you outsource that to a company that knows exactly what they're doing and they're doing it really quickly, efficiently and probably cheaper? So it's a, a no-brainer, but legal teams don't necessarily always think like that, whereas the more sophisticated legal teams that we work with in tech companies that have been around for that little bit longer, they do that. It's a given that you're going to outsource that stuff. And I think we're getting to a place where companies are understanding that and legal teams are understanding that because optimizing your legal team will give your business a commercial advantage over other businesses. Full stop. And this and this goes over and above just having a bit of reduced headcount because you don't need such a big legal team. It's not just uh, we're saving a, a bit on a salary. It goes further than that, you think? Much further. It makes you it makes you quicker, less friction, um, easier to sign off agreements, your legal team spending their time on the right things. So they're involved in the in the conversations that they should be involved in. So for example, when you're making really important decisions about pivoting or new features that you, you want to release or new partnerships, your legal team's at the table because they're not held up 
negotiating low value agreements or responding to queries from the business all the time. Um, they're there at the table and they're supporting you and they've got the headspace and the, and the time to do the stuff that matters. They're adding strategic value. They're not just churning through work. So that, I think that's the, that's the, the real shift there. Um, lawyers can add loads of value because they're one of the only teams that work with so many other teams and they've seen a lot. So their, their value add isn't just from the legal perspective, it's also, you know, I, from, my, from my experience, I've seen that go wrong and that go right. So you could do that. Yeah. And I, I guess the life of the, the lawyers working in-house, if the legal function is performing in this way, it transforms their role into something much more high level and enjoyable than just drudgery of exactly. high, val high volume churn. Exactly. And, and you become a partner, a business partner, which is what most lawyers want, what most lawyers either leave private practice for or don't go into private practice at all for. They want to be a business partner. They don't want to be doing, I'm sorry to say, but glorified admin, sometimes it feels. Um, yes. So you, 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 they're so capable. They've studied really hard. They've worked super hard to get a training contract. They know loads of stuff. And then they're reviewing NDAs. Like, Why? <laughs> yeah it's sort of it's a bit it's, it's like they're over engineered for the uh, for the task at hand exactly. yeah. yeah okay so let's talk about bolt then so bolt was never the plan initially the, the plan is is developed over time what other than your own expertise what what has gone in and who's who's had input into into developing bolt and who have you had to speak to to sort of you know get it get it get it happening it hasn't when does it launch actually it's not happened yet it's coming in it's coming in on the 1st of April, fingers crossed. Indeed, big launch yeah. day. Um, yeah. So yeah, who, who, is, who is involved in that and what was the process of putting that together? So this has been a really iterative process of about three and a half years of gathering requirements, if you like. So obviously we didn't know three and a half years ago that we were going to do this, but over the last three and a half years, we know exactly what legal teams want and they all want more or less the same thing. It's unbelievable. Um, how similar requirements are from bigger teams to smaller teams. They all want the same thing and it all makes complete sense. Um, so we're really lucky because we've got such good relationships with our clients that they've actually helped us build out the requirements and build out the tech. And we've already got two clients. Fortunately, I can't talk about them, but they are two um, amazing tech companies and they're supporting us with testing the tool and giving us feedback so that we're iterating on their real life feedback. It's all very feedback driven. So you're not developing this in a vacuum and then going to unveil it to clients. You're actually building it with them and yeah, using, using their expertise to match yours. Yeah. We're basically saying, use it, tell us what you hate, tell us what you'd love to have, and then we'll think about whether we can build it. It's the complete opposite of an off the rack um, solution that there yeah. needs to be fiddled with and... But, and I think it's because we've learned from our own mistakes. So we were building solutions for companies and then we would iterate with them so much and then it'd end up on a different platform looking completely differently. So you think you know the answer, you don't. I can promise you, you don't know the answer to almost anything unless you ask your customers what they want. Um, and they don't know what they want until they've used that thing that you think they want. So yes. you can't go in and say, what do you want? To imagine what you would like. You can't do that. People can't, do you think people can't put themselves in that position until they're actually there using it, trying it? 
yes, not there. It's, it, that's they're not coming from the same place that you're coming from. So put something in front of them and get them to iterate. Don't just put a random thing in front of them. Of course, look at the problem, try and find a solution, and then iterate, iterate, iterate. So that's it, our mantra. This, this, that will speak very loudly to to any of my uh, fellow colleagues in in the recruitment or sales space when your business decides to go and get a new CRM and they they plonk it on you day one and you've never seen it before and and then and then all of the then all of the problems happen thereafter. So classic. Exactly. Every industry gets it wrong. No, I know, I know. CRMs are bane of my life, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are oh gosh crikey it's a whole whole um whole new can of worms so let's talk about the growth of your business then so it started off just you yeah just me okay just so did you, you you've, you've had you know had some jobs in big massive companies what was it like to go from working at you know disney or bat or wherever it was to then being just you just a lecturer solo Bye. It was absolutely terrifying. But I also thought, do you know what? I'm, I was, I think I was 30 when I started the business. I thought, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Because I need to do it now. I've got enough experience. I've got 10 years experience, which makes me confident that I can start a business within this topic. Um, but if I wait another 5, 10, I might be in a different stage of my life and not really want to take these risks. So I thought, just do it. Like a mid-midlife crisis, maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, so I thought I was going to do it and I started off by going on Facebook into an entrepreneur's group and saying, are any businesses here that would like some legal support? And I've got two customers in a day. The first day that I posted this on this group, it was a female entrepreneur group, which no longer exists, unfortunately, but, um, I've posted this and I've got two clients in a day. And I thought, oh, there's something in this. Because my whole thing was, let's design, let's start off by designing your T's and C's in ways that are more user-friendly and easier for people to understand and even for you to understand as an entrepreneur. Um, and then I, my idea was to sort of start off with smaller startups and then start building up and going into scale-ups once I'd built a bit of experience. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So I started off working with entrepreneurs and then it went to smaller startups and then it went to scale-ups. Um, and now we work with enterprise and scale-ups. Okay. And your, and your own, your own team, you've, yeah. you've added significantly since it was yeah. just you. How, do, how, how has that happened and, and what, who have you needed to bring in? Why, how? Yeah, I've got an amazing team. I, I know lots of people say that, but I actually do. <laughs> Everyone's super passionate. Everyone's really engaged. Everyone sees exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we're all on the same path. And everyone's just really lovely. No huge egos in our business, which is great. Uh, and it just makes for a much more collaborative um innovative you can fail and not be worried that you're going to get told off or anything like that so I think that's really important um so yeah I hired one person it was just the two of us for two years and then we hired a third person last October and so from March until now that's how fast we've grown so there were three people three three of us last year and over the last one year um we've grown loads a lot of that is because of covid okay because some of our clients wanted to use more of our services because we were, we're still doing lots of contract review um 
But also I think what happened during COVID was that we just said, we need to go all in now. Um, let's just take the risks that we didn't really want to take before. So we did. And the more people that we hired, the more work we could deliver. And so we grew. And then we were at a stage where we said, let's just go and build this tech that we've been talking about for so long. And so we did. And it's amazing when you just take that, take that leap. So you take the leap and you start a business. And then you take, I think one of the biggest leaps is to hire your first employee and then maybe even your second employee. And then it starts to get a bit easier. And then okay. you say, well, let's just do, let's just do what, those things that we're really scared of doing. So it's all about taking leaps of faith. But they get incrementally smaller, the leaps? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the skill the skills that you've got in your team you've brought in you brought in lawyers you've brought in operations people like what, what, what who do you, what do you need and and what have you what have you had to add to be able to give your clients what they what they needed? Yeah, I totally underestimated how much operational support we'd need um, at the beginning. So we were hiring lawyers only, and we we were kind of double hatted. So you're a lawyer, but you also do the ops, and sometimes you need to build some of these tech solutions. So it was it was very much like that. And then we realised that we needed a growth department because all the sales that we were doing were just through relationships, word of mouth. But if you want to scale, then you need to structure that a bit more. So we moved Roisin, our COO, into a growth role. And since that's happened, difference has been huge, uh, not necessarily in terms of the sales, but in understanding your business a bit more, understanding how it all works, understanding sales. You're a lawyer, you don't really know about this stuff. And now you realize that this is this whole new area that you need to understand and upskill in and probably bring in someone who's going to do it for you at some point. Um, then we've got operations people. We've got a CTO, finance. Um, so loads of different disciplines. So now we're kind of 50-50s, 50% lawyers, 50% uh, people in other disciplines. Um, so, yeah. And have you, I mean, it must have been tremendous for you as a, a sort of personal development to learn from all of these other people. And you must have had to add a fair few strings to your boat you know, you've been a lawyer, but now you're an entrepreneur. Now you're building a team. That, yeah. That the must. Do you think? Do you feel that doing it, doing this venture, you've learned more than you have in the last few years of your your lawyer career? Oh my God! It's the best and toughest personal journey. I know that's quite a lame phrase, but it is the the most. It's boot camp for your personality. Starting. <laughs> It really is. It's it really, you need to sort of, again, another lame phrase, you need to dig deep a lot of times, especially when it comes to managing sensitive situations with human beings that you work with, clients, you know, that bit I found really difficult because it's, it's the human element that people don't really talk about. And there's this book that I read called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which I'm sure lots of people have read before, but it's awesome because it talks about that stuff that you don't really get in a business book. It talks about your relationships and what your duties are as a CEO and where you need to separate your relationship-driven brain from actually my job is to do this and that means I need to make some tough decisions. So having, having that, Having had to go through that really helps you in your life as well, in your personal life, where you have to make that distinction between personal decisions and the right thing. Um, sorry, personal pers things that are emotive versus things that actually need to happen. 
I don't know if you if you will find this, but I think in a small business, you can't shy away from those conversations. It's not like there's nowhere to hide. Everything right. has to come out. So, yeah, it's uh, that's that's a tough one. So, w- what's next? If there is a plan for what's next? Yeah. So, so our focus now, because by the way, we started off doing everything that clients wanted, whatever they wanted, we would do for them. But now we're very streamlined and very focused, which is amazing because it gives you that headspace to do things really, really well, rather than trying to do lots of things in a way that's good enough. So um, we're focusing on our contract review product because we've nailed the way that that works. So at the moment, lawyers might pick up a contract and they'll just start reviewing it. If you, if people outsource their contracts to us, we'll build a playbook for them. We'll talk to them about process, approvals, matrix, blah, blah, blah. So we'll get a really good understanding of what their risk appetite is, what they want from us, and how they want us to deliver it. And then we'll deliver it in a super efficient three-day SLA. Everything's fixed price. A lot of thoughts gone into that product, if you like. Yes. So that's, that's one thing. And, and we want to make that even better and develop it and get more companies using our service for that um, because we think that contracts are the lifeblood of any business and if you do that bit properly that will really help you optimize your legal function so i think that's a really quick win and a massive value add so we want to focus that and then of course bolt is being launched which i'm so excited about um, and yeah i just can't wait i lie awake at night sometimes just imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like when bolt is in existence so um, let's let's talk about let's talk about that the ceo lifestyle how 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 do you switch off and how do you how do you sort of keep yourself you know um from, from going crazy thinking about absolutely everything because this is your baby it's your completely yeah. you know, your venture do you have any do you I mean do you just do you just roll with it and do whatever or do you actually have like a structure of how you uh, <laughs> how you sort of manage your you know manage your life well it depends I'm sort of it comes in phases so at the end of last year I was a nervous wreck I was on the verge of a burnout I have I was just all over the place super undisciplined right and I know that I'm not I know that I need a break when I become very undisciplined so I knew that at the end of last year I was just rolling into December rolling into Christmas it's like, wow, what a year this has been. It's been mental. And, you know, everything goes out the window. Your exercise, your eating, all that stuff. Um, obviously, you can't see people, so you're not socialising either, which is terrible for an extrovert. But so that, that's, that was that. This year, January, I feel much better and much, um, much more structured. And I think for me, I just need a really almost rigid routine in order to function properly. So I need to wake up, I need to work out, I need to have breakfast. So I need to, do you know what I mean? So I need yes. that routine, especially in a world where you're working and living is all in the same place. It's really bad for you as a person. So you almost need to work extra hard in becoming a bit more disciplined to give yourself that separation between different phases of life. But I think as a human being, you're going to have months where you're doing really well and you're feeling amazing and other months where you feel awful because you have to give your energy to something so much that you just don't have enough left to do other stuff. And the thing that's really bad is when you're, when you want to achieve a lot of things, um, you can be really harsh on yourself. So I'd get to stages in previous years where I was like, why are you not, 
you know, why are you not exercising? Why are you not eating well? Why aren't you also arranging amazing days out and going on great holidays and also running a business? Like, chill out. You can't do it all, and that's fine. And that's what I learned last year, which was awesome, because it's very helpful to not be so harsh on yourself and it's like self-whipping all day long. It's like, for God's sake, you're trying to do so much. You can't do it all perfectly. Get over yourself to an extent. Yes. I mean, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, they always say you're, you, we are our own harshest critics. But you yeah. do have to... It's, it's a hard thing because you're obviously someone who's really driven because you wouldn't do what you're doing if you're not driven. So you, you, you have, in a positive way, you have this inner voice telling you, let's make this leap of faith. I've got the I've got the energy to go out and do this. I'm going to do it. But then sometimes that voice can take its negative form and then start berating you for you know you, you need to have everything. Every box needs to be <laughs> to be exactly taken. exactly. And that voice has gone to bed now. Thank God. Okay, good. I, that's what the business has given me the opportunity to put that voice to bed. So from a personal perspective, it's been amazing. It's liberating to know that you don't have to do everything perfectly and that you can actually, um, an 80-20 rule, it's what you preach to other people, but then do you practice it yourself? Um, yes. We are, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to dispense armchair advice to friends about all kinds of things, exercise, diet, but <laughs> you're right. <laughs> need, to, need, to look at, need to look at yourself. I'm, I'm looking over at actually a, a whole eaten tub of peanut butter. <laughs> so I definitely shouldn't be dispensing, the, sorry to any of my friends. Or, Dispense so diet advice. You don't listen to me. Um, amazing. Uh, it sounds like you've got a really uh, cool thing going on uh, over um, over at the Law Boutique. Um, in, if people want to uh, know more, I think is the website is it thelawboutique.co.uk. That's right. Yeah. Law and if you're, you can. I think you can demo your some of your stuff on there. So if you want to, if you're, if if someone, anybody's interested in the the products that you've got, they can actually go and look on the website, try it out, see how it all works. Yeah, they can request a demo and we will be in touch and show them what it all looks like and talk to them about what we do and how we can help. Yeah, okay. Um, amazing. Well, look, uh, I'll, I'll make sure I post a link to, to the website so anybody can go in and uh, check it out. Um, I guess if, uh, if there are any lawyers or people out there that are interested in, uh, in speaking further to you, maybe they can uh, reach out to you. You're on uh, LinkedIn, I imagine, and of course you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have found you. It's where I live as a legal recruiter. Um, amazing. Well, I really want to thank you for your time today. It's really interesting to hear from from somebody who's doing something really different and making inroads into uh, you know into into launching their own business. And the story is great. So thank you so so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for the opportunity.